0: How many of you uh, have already had a little spurt of spring cleaning? Anybody in here? Anybody had a little spurt? I don't know what it is in this season. I'm glad when I feel the grace to do spring cleaning. It's like something that kind of comes over you. And the first thing I want to tackle is my closet. How many of you need to tackle your closet? Wave at me if you need to tackle your closet. Now, this is the thing. This is the thing that you find or I found out about my closet is that I had a lot of clothes in there that I have not worn in years, but I kept around just because it cost me something. I mean, I literally had clothes from like 12 years ago, and those clothes don't fit me anymore. They're a little tight, they're a little awkward, and uh, look, there's some pants, they became uh, skinny jeans. And listen, I have a personal belief that only uh, women and skinny guys should wear skinny jeans, <laughs> and, uh, and, and those things needed to go. Those things needed to go, and it was amazing when I, like, you, you ever had like a, a nice shirt and it just doesn't fit, but you don't want to get rid of it? It was good at one time, but it doesn't fit you anymore, right? And uh, I mean, Leah held up a pair of underwear the other day and was like, what's up with all these holes in your underwear? And I was like, they're comfortable. She was like, you got to throw those things away. I don't care if they're comfortable. You got to get rid of the underwear with the holes in them, right? (laughs) It's the same for us. We like to keep things sometimes. We like to hold on to some things. But uh, in our walk with God, we have outgrown things in our life. And sometimes we hold on to things of the past that don't fit us anymore, even good things in our life that don't fit us anymore, and God wants us to do a little spring cleaning in our hearts. Sometimes God did a thing for you 20 years ago, and it was a good thing, and you can testify on it, but you're hanging on that thing instead of getting a new thing. How many of you want a new thing? The great thing about cleaning out your closet, you see that you have a lot more room to put, put new things in there. I began to put new things in there, a new wardrobe, and I started feeling a lot better because I was crowded with the things of old. And if you don't watch it, you can get crowded with religion. You can get crowded with old bad habits. You can get crowded with disappointment. And God is saying, Hey, it's time for spring cleaning. That doesn't fit you anymore. That temper doesn't fit you anymore. That attitude doesn't fit you anymore. That bad habit doesn't fit you anymore. I came to bring something new into your life. I came for, to clean house and bring new things. It's a great feeling when you start doing some spring cleaning. Yeah. The great thing is when you cleanse your heart, the things that don't belong there god will bring new life in you and i believe today is a new day for you do you believe that i am coming into faith with even my own life that i'm ready to step into a new thing see religion will say you're all right stay where you are religion is a uh, doing a good thing way too long god's already moved on start doing a new thing there are certain things in our life that we never change like doctrine God came in the form of a man, he died on the cross, he went in the grave, he rose again, he was born from the mother of Mary. These are doctrinal things that we do not believe, that we believe, but there's one thing you got to know. Sometimes in theology, you will begin to change the way that you see God. God wants you to see a new facet of him so that you begin to have a new thing in you. How many of you want to see a new part of God? When we start to think that we know God like the back of our hand, we have lost our minds. Because you can't put the creator of the universe in our small capacity uh, uh, minds, the creator of the universe, we are able to see another facet of him, experience him in a new way so that we can have new life flow out of us, new joy, new peace. And uh, I don't know about you. I do know about you. That's why you're here. I want to come into the new. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming into the new. Amen. Ephesians 2.8, it says this. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved. Actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort. But it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. How many of you are thankful for that gracious gift? How many of you are thankful that it was God that drew you to him? You didn't wake up one day and just say, you know what? I need to go to God. No, God was actually drawing you all the time. And we can't take credit for salvation. It's what God has done in us, and for us, and that's how we're right with God. Religion says work to get right with God. Relationship says he already made it right. Now he wants to work with you. See, there's an old part that wants to take credit, but we can't take credit for that grace going to God. Have you ever been through something in your life before and you look back and say, I have no clue how I went through that? Like, you went back to school and had several kids, and you actually graduated, and you had tons of stuff going on. You just had a grace for that season. You look back, and you're like, I have no clue how I got through that. Anybody? Maybe some of you even think about that for the last two years, the pandemic. I have no clue how I stayed in the same house with my spouse for almost a year and a half. But you did it. Give yourselves a hand. You're still married. You still love each other. Do you? (laughs) I need to pray for some of you. Some of you are like, uh, I need some prayer in that area. (laughs) There's a story in the Bible about two people finding themselves in the goodness of God. They were needing something new in their life. They were needing the old to be gone and something new. And some miraculous things happened. In their life. And I want to read about that today. Can we dive into this scripture in Mark 5, 21? um, And it's it's a it's a drama packed story, and it's when Jesus was he was doing miracles, but they had these two characters that really stood out, really uh, decided to go into the new, and they actually uh, received new life in them. Mark 5. 21. After Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then, a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd. Say, he pushed. He pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish officer who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. Say 12. 12. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her, and she will live. Immediately, Jesus went with him, and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on him at all sides. Now... The interesting part of the story, you have to know that Jairus, he was over a synagogue. He was a Jewish leader, which in that day would mean that he had strict rules about what the law was. He he, He was busy making sacrifices. He was busy doing the works of the law to try to get right with God, not knowing that somebody right in front of him had something brand new for him. Jesus came and he he took the law on himself so that we can be free of the law and the law can be in our hearts. See, the, the interesting thing about this, this is a guy that would believe. He didn't believe in grace because grace was not really found. He believed only when you do right, you will get good, and when you do bad, you will get bad. But how many of you know that we don't get good, of the righteousness of God, God, because we did good? We get the righteousness of God because he did good. And so he was busy in an old mindset, and we can even have this mindset today, that his daughter is dying, and because a bad thing externally is happening with him, he actually thinks it's probably because of what he's done. I can imagine that when his daughter started to get sick, he started to make more and more sacrifices, tried to work as hard as he could, found himself failing, and she was getting worse. And then he started to realize, I got to get rid of this old thing, and I need to reach out to something new. And he realized that his works could get him only so far, you got to work to get right with God. You got to work. If you do enough, then God will bless you. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus died on the cross while we were still sinners. Yeah. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, and it's nothing that we have done. When we begin to believe right, we begin to do right. Yeah. But we can never do a whole bunch of things and think that's what makes us right. right. Believing right will cause the right fruit in your life but the problem is we try to produce that fruit and we cannot do enough to have God. we cannot do enough to move the hand of god it is believing in him what he has done on the cross that makes us in right standing that is good news for me and for you now religion will say no stay in the old i want credit i want my pedigree see this was a man of great establishment he had pedigree he had a reputation he had things together but i'm here to tell you even if you have climbed the ladder in business which was the hand of god on your life not your own you will find things externally that will make you fall on your knees and go to a new thing how many of you know that jesus came it was the new it was the new covenant that came he had to get rid of the old and he wanted to come in the new. See, religion, religion will make you work for approval. Relationship causes you to realize that you've already got approval. Religion makes you work for the blessing. Relationship says that Jesus is the blessing. It is my relationship with him. It is getting with him. He starts blessing me. Religion will say, you need to go after God because of fear, relationship will say, you need to go after God because you have faith. See, religion is fear-based. You're going to hell, so you need to get right with God. It's good to acknowledge that there's heaven and hell. But I have never seen anybody scared into salvation that lasts too long. You, you, you need to get good, you need to get good, so you need to, you need to go to church. You need to get good in your life, so you need to read your Bible. These are all good things, but you have to realize that a lot of times religion is fear-based. And man will put religion on people. You need to do this, this, and this that's not even in the Bible so that you can be right with God. And so I don't want bad for my family, so from fear I serve God. Rather than I am so in love with Jesus because of what he has done, I am so full of his love that that propels me to go after God. Wouldn't it be horrible if uh, I've been married, it's going on 18 years, I'm more in love today than ever, and, and but wouldn't it be horrible if I only wanted to hang out with Leah or she only wanted to hang out with me because she was scared uh, that she wouldn't get something that she wanted if she didn't hang out with me. That would be a horrible relationship. If I only wanted to hang out with her because I feared I wouldn't get something, then, then that would be a heartless, cold, winter relationship, but how many of you know that marriage should be on fire and burning, and in love, you know what it was like when you first started dating, you hang up, no, you hang up, no, you hang up, now it's FaceTime, like, you turn off, no, you turn off, I just got to look at your face a little longer, right, Uh, you should never lose that, right, and, but religion will cause you to do a lot of things without the heart, and God says, they have drawn close to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Well, it's Easter. I got to go to church. I got to. I got to do my thing. I got to. You know, I got to do my thing, and then hopefully this pastor will get over really quick because I got lunch. I got Easter lunch. Instead of saying, "God, I'm so in love with you. I can't wait to go to church. I can't wait to spend time with you in the Word. I can't wait to pray. I can't wait." This is not an obligation. This is a blessing because I'm not serving someone that is dead. I'm serving somebody that is alive, the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I get to come with you. And so there's a pause in this story, this guy that found out that religion wasn't cutting it, so he turned to Jesus. Pause there for a second and the story goes on. The story goes on in verse 25. Now in the crowd that day, was a woman who had suffered horribly from a continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care. She has endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all that she had on her treatments, she was getting worse instead of better. When she heard about Jesus healing power, she pushed through the crowd. Say, push through the crowd. And came up from behind him and touched him, touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to herself, if I only touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that's always surged around him, pass through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd saying, who touched my clothes? His disciples were like, what do you mean who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd looking for one who had touched him for healing. When the woman who experienced the miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him trembling with fear and threw herself down at his feet saying, I was the one that touched you. And she told him her story and what had happened. Then Jesus said to her, daughter, because you dared to believe, because you dared to believe, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Now go with peace in your heart and be free from suffering. See, this woman had an issue of blood. It was literally a menstrual cycle that did not stop. She was weak. She was seen as an outcast in that day because she was ceremonially unclean. So she would have felt a lot of shame, and she did not even feel worthy to be able to be in the presence of normal people. And in that time, she was bleeding constantly. She spent all of her money. She spent all of her time, and she finally has a last resort. She realized she has a blood problem. She's about to die. Can I tell you just today that we all have a blood problem? We all have this nature of sin. We all have a blood problem. And you can spend your money on tons of things and try to fix it yourself, but the only thing that's gonna change your nature is Jesus' power. We all have a blood problem. We all have a problem of this sinful nature. But the truth of the matter is that this condition that we have only gets worse and worse until we have a personal touch and relationship with Jesus. The only way that this is fixed, the only way that our nature is changed, is a personal relationship with Jesus. It literally changes our heart. How many of you are thankful for Jesus See, Jesus came and he shed his blood, poured out his nature, paid the price for our sin so that we can have his nature and live for him. How many of you are thankful for that? He took on our sin so that we can have his nature. It was a covenant. It is a promise. He shed his blood. So that we can go straight to God and have right standing with him. When we believe that he shed his blood so that our sins can be covered, so our sins can be cleansed, and so that our nature can be changed, when we come into that and believe that, there's power that happens. The Bible says that the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but it's the very power of God for those that believe. Come on, right believing will cause the right nature in your life. Let me read this to you, 1 Corinthians 1.18. I'm sorry, let me, let me go down here. I love this scripture. It's in Romans 3.21. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right, listen to this, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm gonna say that again, that is so good. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are, for everyone has sinned, we have all fallen short of the glorious standards. Yet God, say, Yet God, in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. Man, that's good news today. You might have come in here felt Condemned. You might have a nature that you cannot change. I've got good news for you today. God is causing you to not rely on that five steps in the book, which I bet is good steps, not to rely on another promotion, not to rely on these external or even internal things that don't belong to Jesus. When you say, I know that I get healed and my nature gets changed by getting a touch from God, God will change everything in your life. Come on, right believing that what Jesus did on the cross, right believing, causes us to get right with God. How many of you are thankful that Jesus shed his blood so that we can be free? Come on, let's go move forward in the story. So she gets healed. She gets healed. In the meantime, while she is healed, this guy Jarius, his his family comes and says, hey, it's too late. Your daughter has died. Now, if I was Jairus, I would be extremely upset because Jesus was literally on the way to my house to heal my daughter, and someone interjects, I'm glad you're healed and all. I'm glad God blessed you, but I have somebody that's actually that I love externally, she's gone. And Jesus looks at him. And he says, do not fear. Do not fear. I believe there can be things in our life externally that we can be full of fear. And I'm here to tell you today that God is a God that has resurrected. And God is a God that can resurrect things in your life. You might have dead dreams. You might have many disappointments. But Jesus came to his house, said, get everybody out of the room. Get all the family out of the room. I'm going to have three disciples and the mom and dad. And Jesus looks at to her looks at her and says wake up. See Jairus did not know. Jairus knew that he was a healer but did not know that Jesus was a resurrector. Jesus doesn't just heal. He doesn't just change your nature. He doesn't just fix the problem. He actually resurrects things in your life. I've seen marriages resurrected. I've seen finances resurrected. I've seen people that were sick resurrected because Jesus did not just come and die and stay in a tomb and we believe just in what he did on the cross. The reason we have freedom today is that we believe three days later that he rose out of the grave and that he's alive today. Come on, man. That is something, that is something to get excited about. I mean, listen, we have to realize that even the disciples didn't believe in his resurrection at first. They all fled. They all were scared. They were all disappointed. Then Mary goes in, goes to visit the tomb, and Jesus visits Mary. Mary comes back and tells the disciples what happened. They didn't even believe her. How many of you think it's awesome that a woman was the first one to preach the gospel? She was bold enough to say, he's not in the tomb. He's risen. They were like, you're crazy. She said, no, I saw him. And for 40 days, he showed up and met with people, showed that he was alive. No one believed until they had proof. And there was only 120 in the upper room when he began to send out his Holy Spirit. There was 120 that really believed even though he showed up. I'm here to tell you today that he is alive. From that 120, people that were once scared and scattered, they experienced the resurrection power of Jesus and once was scared but was so convinced, was willing to die for their belief. What happened? They met the resurrected Jesus. He's alive. He's alive. Why do we believe in Jesus today? Because there were 120 men that stood in the upper room, waited for the Holy Spirit, the literal spirit of Jesus to come and fill them up. There are 2 billion people that say they believe in Jesus today from that 120 getting filled with resurrected power. One-third of the earth today says that they believe in Jesus. Who is this guy that came 2,000 years ago and literally reshaped our calendar? It's 2022. Why? Because Jesus came 2022 years ago. I don't know of any other God, any other religion that actually shaped our whole calendar. We are here today in A.D. because Jesus stepped Face on the, stepped on the earth and changed everything because he conquered death. See, it's the resurrection that gives us faith that we have eternal life. Without the resurrection, we would still not know. But Jesus conquered death to let us know, I got a place waiting for you. I'm alive, I conquered death, and i you literally have a hope that the world does not have. You have a hope of eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. And I believe today there are some people in the day, maybe you've had your faith in religion. I'm encouraging you today to put the religion aside, clean the closet and say, I want the real, the new, the resurrected Jesus, the same way that he visited them and the 120. I want him to visit me. If he's real, then touch me. Get so bold to say, I, God, if you're real, touch me. And I'm telling you, That Jesus, when you say the even name of Jesus, (laughs) demons scatter. You don't see what people mocking, you know, oh, Buddha. You don't see anybody doing that, right? There is something powerful about the name of Jesus. And even when you hear it, when you're not right with God, it makes you cringe on the inside. But I'm here to tell you, this name Jesus came for you to experience eternal life. Not religion. A personal relationship not religion maybe you never even believed God or had a religious background I'm here to tell you today you're probably bleeding going to one thing after another to try to make yourself whole but the only thing that will make you whole is Jesus the only one that can fill that hole and fill that heart is him the relationship's not going to do it the job promotion's not gonna do it. That new goal that you're trying to achieve is not gonna do it. The only thing that's gonna fulfill you is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and his name is Jesus. I'm so thankful that 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I was living a life of selfishness, going after one thing after the other to try to uh, fill something. And it will always leave you empty. See, sin feels fun in the moment. And you think that you're doing sin until sin starts doing you. And you will find yourself empty, chasing after all these things. But I realized there was somebody actually praying for me 20 years ago. And God didn't show up in my life at, at church. God showed up in my life in my mess I'm here to tell you today, God will show up in your life, in your mess. See, we try to clean up and go to God. God says, come to me and I'll clean you up. God's not scared of your mess. I even was taught when I was younger, the only way that God responds is to our faith. If that's true, then why did God respond to Jarius? He responded to Jairus' fear. I'm here to, I'm here to tell you today, God says, bring me whatever you have and I will come home with you. God, I don't have faith. Go to Jesus. God, I, I, I need, I, I don't even know if I know you. Go to him. He's made a way. And when you begin to go to him, you will find yourself full of his life, full of new life. There's some people here today that this whole service was here for you. Because you've put your faith in things that are external and even put your faith in things that you thought, you know, you thought maybe a tarot reading or this and that might guide you. I'm here to tell you there's nothing external out there that will guide you. It's the man named Jesus that came 2,000 years ago and he's alive today. And when you begin to believe, I know that I'm not worthy, but I believe what he did on the cross and I'm going to go to him. I'm going to say, God, this is who I am. God will not shun you he won't say you know what you did last summer he's gonna actually get down in your mess look at you in your eyes and say if it was just for you i would do it all over again yeah give God a hand if you want to Trey why don't you come and and play for us man see what did these two that received a miracle have in common what did these two people have in common that received this miracle number one I thought it was interesting that both of them had problems. Both of their problems were 12 years old. Now, I've heard before, you know, 12 in the Bible means government. It means order. So you, they would actually, God instituted 12 to be able to uh, contain the innumerable. For example, uh, there there are... innumerable numbers are, are uh, minutes, right? But we contain them in 12 hours in the day, 12 hours at night. We actually have a calendar that is 12 months in the year. Even music right now that he's playing is 12 notes, but there's millions of songs that can be played. So even that's why Jesus had 12 tribes of, uh, of Israel. Jesus even had a 12. It is government, it is order. But I started to ask God, I started to say, what does this 12 mean in this? How many of you know the Bible makes no mistakes? And I was like, what what is this 12 in the Bible? Why why did they both have things that they needed to get set free from or miracles of 12 years worth of stuff? And God started to remind me that it was at 12 o'clock in Exodus When the spirit of death passed by, but those that had the blood of the lamb was saved. It was 12 o'clock when we saw the first salvation with the blood of the lamb. Even later on after that, in the book of Acts, it was midnight. It was 12 o'clock when Paul and Silas begin to pray and begin to lift their voice and God begin to shake things and they saw a new day, they got out of jail. See, 12 o'clock today brings a new day. It brings a.m. to p.m., it brings p.m. to a.m. And here, here's what I'm telling you today, that I believe that God has a new day for you. 12 represents your day of suffering is over. You're gonna be invited to grace of Jesus in your life and you're coming into the new. How many of you want to come into a new day? Come on, we come into a new day when we be- begin to believe what he did on the cross for us. They both, they both had a, a time where they were like, I got to come into something new. And I believe God is stirring something in you right now when you're saying, I got to come into something new. You know, this, reading this story, it, it, I couldn't help but go 12 years Ago in my life. I gave my life 20 years ago to God. I started been in full-time ministry 16 years. I started to go 12 years back and start to see what was going on in my life 12 years. And I started to realize there were some really good things and some really good patterns and some really good things that happened to me 12 years ago. And but there are also things that in my life that I realize can creep up, maybe some disappointment or maybe some. Uh, wrong thinking and I believe God was speaking to me he was speaking to me and said today is your 12th year you're about to come into something new just like you uh, cleaned your closet physically I'm about to do a new thing in you and I believe some of you in here you're tired of always going through the patterns of the old God's about to do a new thing in you do you believe that forget what is of the old Paul said, there's one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and pressing forward to the goal or the mark that is Jesus. The second thing that they did was they pressed. I'm here to tell you today, I want to encourage you today. See, they both pressed through the crowd. The woman had to press through a crowd of shame, the crowd of defeat, the crowd of disappointment. Jairus had to press through the crowd of religion, press through the crowd of the opinions of his family. I know some people that are stuck in old religion because they feel like they would abandon their family if they got out of it. Jesus said, everybody out. Jesus said, she's actually just sleeping. They all laughed and mocked. Some of you are stuck through old religion and what other people's opinions are, I'm here to tell you, it's not your family's religion that will save you or set you free. It's your personal relationship with him that will save you and set you free. Do you believe that? And so we have to pass through the crowd. It has to be a point where we're literally willing to get on our knees and say, God, I humble myself. I'm no longer going for the the internal things that don't belong to you, the external things that don't belong to you. I'm turning towards you. You are my hope. You are my salvation. How many of you say today you want to make a decision to turn to him? Even if you've thought you've known him, listen, his goodness is so good And his mercy is so wide that God wants you to be in another level with him today. How many of you want to say, I forget what is behind and I press forward? You're like, well, I remember when I was in youth group on fire for God. Let's get on fire for God today. You know know what a new generation needs? They don't need religion. They're not interested. They want to see a personal relationship with the risen Jesus. They will see it when we follow. How many of you want to see a new generation follow a real thing, not an old dead religion? He's alive, and he's in here today. The third thing that they both did is they fell at the feet of Jesus, and they relied on him. How do we do that? Today, we're going to do that two ways. Number one, if you don't have a relationship with God, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. When you put your faith, your eternal salvation, or your eternal soul in him, you will be saved. How many of you believe that today? There's somebody in here today that you're saying, man, I'm tired of putting my faith in the wrong things. I'm about to put my faith in Jesus. The second thing, Jesus said, hey, you want that fire? You want that life? This is how I want you to do it. Go back through the things that I did for you, and I want you to have a trigger for your faith. That's what we call communion. See, when we take the bread, it's getting rid of the old. When we take the wine, it's putting in the new. And the Bible says when you take out the old and you put in the new, you'll experience eternal life. So communion is actually bringing your faith, saying, you know what, I'm going to believe in what you did on the cross, I believe that it forgives all my sins, I put it at the cross, I leave it at the cross. God wants you to leave that thing that you keep reminding the sin that you did, he wants you to leave it at the cross, because even he does not remember it when you put it at the cross. How many of you need to put some things at the cross? That's what it is to take the bread, and then we take the blood, we believe that it's covenant, begins to change us, and we begin to feel his presence. We're going to do that together. If everybody can stand, if there's somebody in here that needs a relationship with Jesus while the band comes on the stage, I want everybody head bowed and eyes closed. Can we say this prayer together? Say this after me. Say, Jesus, come on, let's say it together. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe that you rose again. I turn away from my own way, and I pick up your way. From this day forward, I make you my Savior and my Lord. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Come on, with nobody looking around, if you said that prayer today, I'm not going to embarrass you, but can you just slip up your hand today? No, I see your hands all over the room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All over the room, you can put them down. You know, the Bible says that when one person turns to God, all of the heavens rejoice. Church 54, can we rejoice with heaven today? Those that have turned from God on the count of three, can we give God a hand and a shout? One, two, three. Come on, give God a hand today. Give God a shout. We just want to say we welcome you into the kingdom of God. Not only are you, uh, from here on out, you have a family, right? Because when you give your life to God, you come into the family of God. So we say welcome. That is the best decision you could ever make in your whole life. Now the second thing is this, is that God says, hey, if you want that fresh resurrection experience in your life, go back to the cross and take communion. How many of you know that communion is powerful? And under your chair, you should have a communion cup under your chair. And, um, and, and we want to take communion today because this is a part of Jesus saying, hey, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. How many of you want to experience this eternal life today? This resurrected power. See, a lot of people say, I need to go get things right, then I come to communion. But God's saying, it is communion that makes you right. (laughs) It is communion. Do this in remembrance of me so that you can experience that life again. See, the, the reason why we take bread, it's unleavened bread, and it doesn't really taste that good the reason why we do that is because sometimes, the, or every time, the cross is not pretty and it doesn't taste good. The cross is where we bring our sin and we bring where we say, "You know what? This isn't in order in my life." And I bring this to the cross and I leave it there. And now you don't just leave me there. You have given me the power of your blood that cleanses my sin and covers my sin and changes my nature. And I believe today you are going to feel freedom in the presence of God. Do you believe that? And we're going to take this communion and we're going to worship. And as we worship, I want you, I want you to feel God's presence knowing that you, your slate is clean and you are able to have this communion with your Father. How many of you are ready to have some communion with God? Come on, let's do this together. If you can take the bread, Lord, we thank you. We picture you right now on the cross, Lord. We thank you that it was your cross, Lord, that all of our sins was put on you. And Lord, today we say anything in our life that doesn't belong, Lord, we put that on the cross, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that this bread represents your word. We come into alignment with your word right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, come on, you can take the bread today. Now, if you want to open the cup, Lord, we thank you today that you didn't just leave us there, but you gave us an antidote, that you gave us a solution to our wrong nature, that you didn't just cover our sins, but you literally change our nature and forgive us. And right now, we accept what you did on the cross for us, the covenant that you made with your blood. Come on, take the drink today. Now, I want you to do something if you feel comfortable as the band gets ready to play. I want us to pray right now, and I want us to begin to say this. Jesus, thank you. Can you just say that under your breath? Lord, thank you that you died, that you rose again, and that you're alive today. Lord, thank you for the price that you paid, for the work that you did on the cross. Today, we come into right thinking and right feeling. And Lord, today, we align ourselves to you. Lord, I w- we want to feel you. We want to know you. We want to experience your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing this song.